0: Good morning, all. When I walk out, I don't, I don't know if you're staring at me or the screen behind me. Um, it's a bit unnerving, to be honest with you. <laughs> so let's not make eye contact for our first few minutes here. Um, I would like to pray for us, if that's okay. Would you bow your heads with me? You, you know, Lord, um, we come before you, uh, believing that you hear us, believing that you're part of our lives, believing that you have something that you would like to teach us today. And so, Lord, I pray that our hearts become receptive, our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, and that we would experience you, Lord. We love wisdom, we love knowledge, and more importantly, God, we we even love um, a relationship with you that is experiential. So we thank you that you that you minister to each one of us in a way that's helpful to us. And so God, knit us together and do work that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I know Chris already mentioned that. And it is kind of funky, this kind of current situation we live in. We're having church some days and then online church the other day. So it's real tough. Um, but I want to share something with you today from the Bible that I've been working through. So the beginning of this year, I started doing a Bible reading plan. How many Bible reading plan people in the room, right? It's okay. It's God still loves you. And, um, (laughs) but I didn't sign up for one that gives you like the daily Devo thing. I just kind of, I felt the Lord press upon my heart to just read the gospels. So if you're, if you're new to Christianity and the Bible, the gospels are in the part of the Bible that we call the new Testament. So the old Testament's the big part in the, the front, and the New Testament's the front, the back part, and there's a gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and so I've just been reading each one of those like every week. I read Luke one week, and then the next week, John, and then I'm just kind of putting that on repeat, and I'm remembering, right, forgive me to say this, but I'm remembering how important it is to read scripture, like how beneficial and helpful it is in our lives to just put ourselves before it. I mean, I read a lot of books, ladies and gentlemen. I, read a, I listen to a lot of podcasts about God and et cetera. But I tell you, there's just something special about sitting um, with the Spirit and just reading Scripture. And... Um so the Bible's important, is my first thrust here, is I want you to understand that. And I want everyone here to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, the church, Renaissance would love to give you a Bible. So after the service, the overhead door is going to open, and right outside's a table that we call like the welcome area, and you can come out there, say hello to someone, and if you don't have a Bible, you just say, "Hey bro, I don't have a Bible, and we're going to give you a Bible today." And you can just start journeying with us in this thing. But the Bible's an interesting book. It's actually a collection of books. We might more um, accurately call it a library of books. There's 66 different books inside of the scripture. And many people have different opinions on what the Bible is. Some people think that the Bible tells the story of God who is creator who created everything, puts mankind in the middle of all that. Um, uh, there's a moment when sin enters into the world. And so sin, sinful humanity is separated from holy God. And, and God has this redemptive plan through his son, Jesus Christ, to sort of restore mankind into right relationship with God and to deal with the sin issue on the earth. And, and that's one way to look at the Bible. And to be clear, that's the way I view scripture. <laughs> Right? But I know not everyone is in that place. I know a lot of people look at the Bible as like it's just maybe a good history book. You need to know this, but there are historians who do not believe in the God of the Bible, but look to the historicity of the scriptures. The ancientness, some of these books are over 2,000 years old and how historically accurate these books are. So people who don't even believe in God look at the Bible and go, it's a great history book. It tells us a lot about those ancient civilizations. Other people view the the Bible and maybe some of you are in the room here and there is no shame in this. um, There's no shame if you're a person who believes in this. But I was a person who believed this, but I thought the Bible was just a made up series of stories that mankind sort of pinned together to, to answer the tough questions of life. Like, where does all of this come from? Like, what, what's the meaning and purpose of, of my life? What happens to us when we die? And, and some people believe, and I was one of them, that believed that, that, that men just wrote stories in the Bible to sort of answer those big questions, but it's really just, hear me, a myth or a fable. And Maybe some of you think that way, like I used to. Um, other times, people look at the, the Bible as a rule book. How many people would think it's a rule book? And you, know, you wouldn't be too far off to think that because the Bible is feel, filled with a ton of commands. A ton of rules. In the Old Testament alone, uh, scholars count over 613 commandments from God, right? In the New Testament, I think there's another thousand or so, depending on how you count all of them. But there are a lot of commandments in the Bible. A lot of them are thou shalt" or do these things. God tells his people to make sure they do certain things. To remember him and for whatever other reason. And there's a lot of thou shalt nots. And these are the ones we seem to focus on, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. And we look at scripture and all of a sudden it becomes to us a rule book of sorts. And that's understandable. If you don't know all the 613 commands in the Old Testament, and raise your hand if you do, I certainly don't, Um, but you've probably heard of the top 10, the Decalogue, or the 10 commandments written in stone by God's own finger given to Moses. And some of them go like this, uh, that you shall have no other gods before me. This is the command of God. Don't worship anyone else but me. Don't steal. Thank you. Right? Don't murder. Double thank you. (laughs) Right? Don't lie about other people in court. I mean, all of these things, it's like this moral understanding of how God wants us to live. But the laws go beyond just morality and ethics. They they go into relationships with one another. There are commands about what type of food a person can eat and not eat, days of rest and not rest, and how to have relationships with one another, how to keep uh, um, friendships with other people, all of these things. There's even rules about farming in the Bible. Amen. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Farming. Here's one. I want you to look at this one. This is one of my favorite ones. I just randomly pulled this one up. Exodus 23, verse five. Here's a commandment from God. It says this: If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its own burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. So here's a command from God. It says if you got a hater, right? That, that you, he don't like you, you don't like him. It don't matter. It's probably his political views. We don't care. <laughs> We don't know why, but you don't like him. And you see he's loaded his donkey with too much stuff. And the donkey just says, "Eh, I quit, and sits down on the side of the road. When you walk by, the Lord commands his people to stop and help him with that donkey. Isn't this crazy? And there are so many more commandments. And we begin to question why, this is me, I have a question when I read the Bible, why would God give us so many commands? Why does God stand before his people and say, listen, I want you to do these things, and I don't want you to do these things? There's purposes behind it, and I'll give you a few of them. There are many, but I'll give you a few. Number one, God wants his people to be separate from the other people of the earth. That there's some uniqueness that God has um, in living for his people. Uh, The Bible uses language like this. It's called holy. It really means set apart. God wants his people to be holy and or set apart from the world around them. So a lot of these laws would prohibit his people from participating in a lot of the things that the other people participated in. A lot of the dietary laws look like this. We don't eat pork. We don't. They didn't. I do. Thank you very much. Right? I'm just saying bacon. Really. And. But there's all kinds of commandments there so God's people would be separate from everyone else. He wanted his people to be unique in the culture around them. There's also a restorative principle in a lot of the commands that um, Israel did not live in a bubble, you know, unto her own. She lived in a world with a bunch of other nations and many of the other nations who did not worship God were quite barbaric. To be fair, Israel could be quite barbaric at points too. But God would sometimes put commands in the, in, the, in the Bible, the scriptures for them, so that they wouldn't be as bad as the other people. Let me give you this. The commands can be restorative for this reason right here, is that um, after the fall in the, the Garden of Eden, when sin entered into the world, the world got quite evil. And so there is a commandment that God gives his people in the Old Testament that says something like this, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Have you heard of this? A hand for a hand, a foot for a foot. It, it speaks of uh, retribution injustice. Something like this. If someone were to come to you and steal maybe six of your sheep, and you find the person who stole the sheep from you, you can take six sheep back from him. It's equal. The punishment should equal the crime. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And this is how God wanted his people to live. But many of the people around Israel did not live like this. In some of the other nations, if you stole six of their sheep, they would come and murder your wife. They would set fire to your house. They would harm your family. And God was putting commands, are you hearing this, in a restorative process to, to bring this evil and broken world back to his Edenic ideal, back to the beginning before sin overtook the world. Do you see this? So God is using his commands to temper his people. We're not going to be like them, and we want to live like we're supposed to live, like it used to be back in the garden. Okay, you following me here? And so we see that happen. And there's a lot of commands that God gave his people to remember some of the things that he had done. There's commandments in some feasts and festivals to not eat bread with yeast in it. Isn't that strange to us? Unless you know the story that God rescued his people out of Egypt, and when he pulled them out, he pulled them out quickly, and they didn't have time for their bread to rise. So as a remembrance of what God did for them, he says, now eat your bread on these certain days with no yeast in them. Remember how flat they were when I rescued you from Egypt? remember that. And these are commands. So we see all of these commands that God is giving to his people for um, keeping them separate, uh, restorative, uh, a journey back to Eden and to remember some of the things that God had done. And there's more reasons we could go into, but I won't. But know this, there's a lot of commandments and not just other commandments, but the Bible speaks clearly about um, God's desire for us to be obedient to these commands. In fact, there's a hermeneutic principle or a Bible study principle that says when something is mentioned in the Bible an awful lot, it's God's intention that we pay attention to it. And a simple Google search of obedience to God's commands will give hundreds and hundreds of verses of God speaking about obedience to the things that he says. Vodka. Thank you. (laughs) Was was my mic on? (laughs) Sorry, it's water. (laughs) Because it's mentioned, because obedience is mentioned so much in scripture, then we are just quick to say it's important. And I would say, I think important is too weak a word. (laughs) I think it's imperative. I think it's paramount. I'll go one further. It's required. That obedience to the commands of God is required of us. There's no other way around it. God demands these things. But the problem with humanity is we have this sort of dance between disobedience and obedience, disobedience and obedience. We can start in the beginning of Scripture, Genesis 1 and 2. God creates everything that is good. He places Adam and Eve in the middle of this garden. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He gives them commands. Do these things. And all of the seed-bearing plants that are before you, bush, tree, everything in front of you is for your food. You can eat anything you want. Be fruitful and multiply. Did I mention that? Just think that through. How fun is this? Right? (laughs) Tend the garden. Do everything. But there's one tree you cannot eat from. And he says, you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a commandment. Don't do this thing. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve were deceived by a deceiver, and they disobeyed God. And in that disobedience, we learn that sin entered into the world, and Adam and Eve were pushed east out of the garden and into another place in Eden. And not long, because sin entered into the world, death would soon follow. Turn a page or so, and you're in Cain and Abel's story, the two sons of Adam and Eve. Cain dis- is disobedient to God, murders his brother Abel. God finds out about it and comes to Cain. Where's your brother? Knowing full well that Cain killed him. Because of this disobedience, God pushes Cain and Abel further out of Eden. Now they're out into the world altogether. Flip the page or two, evil is continuing to run in the minds of mankind So much evil, in fact, God decides to hit the reset button. We call this the flood story with Noah. The greatest Bible story for your children at night you've ever heard. Where God drowned everyone on the earth. Right? But he tells Noah to build an ark. And Noah was obedient. You see the dance. When we're disobedient, God pushes people away. When there's obedience, the blessings seem to come. And so Noah's obedient to the things of God and saves some giraffes and some lions or whatever and ultimately saves mankind, maybe. Or, or does he? We don't know. Flip the page, one more page. Now we're in the story of Abraham. And Abraham and his wife Sarah, old in age, right, living in the, the land of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, wherever this is, with no children, no descendants, and God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family here. I mean, bring your wife, but leave everything else you know, your extended family, leave everything you know to be good here, and follow me into the place that I'm taking you, and Abraham is fol- follows God into a land that he's going to give him, and with descendants, and he says, I'm gonna give this land to your descendants, and it's, it's this amazing thing that happens, and the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, verse eight, says this, That by faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called out to go to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And, And in this verse, and in the story of Abraham, we're beginning to see there's a connection between not just obedience that God desires for us, but hear me when I say this, but there's a faith component too. For many of us, obedience, uh, it doesn't require us to know the ends of everything, but to step out in faith and to understand how God is going to work through this obedience to bring a blessing or to bring the better life that he has for you and I. But both Noah and Abraham and every other character you read about in the Old Testament, they often would disobey God too. Even though we have stories of their obedience, but there's many other stories where they were disobedient to God, where they took plans into their own hands, ultimately, ultimately making their lives harder for themselves. We see ultimately, and you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us would agree that we're not always obedient to the things of God? When given a choice to obey or disobey, you and I, the people of the Bible, oftentimes choose to disobey. It's just who we are. Sometimes we are being deceived, not, not unlike Ab and Eve, who was deceived by the deceiver, but we're deceived by our own sinful desires, our own sinful uh, natures that, that want us to choose, to choose things that we think is going to make our life better, but is in fact not giving us right information, much like Frodo's ring, if you know what I'm talking about. Frodo's ring did not have his best interest at heart, and your sinful desire doesn't either We oftentimes wonder why God even gives us this ability to choose. We call it free will. That's the next question that comes up. With all this opportunity to be obedient or disobedient, why doesn't God just not give us the opportunity? Consider this of all creation that God made, we're the only ones who get to choose to disobey. Nature doesn't disobey. Everything else, the universe obeys everything that God says. You don't think nature obeys God? Listen, remember the story of Jesus with his disciples? They're crossing this lake. Jesus has been ministering for a long time. He's quite tired. He takes a, a little nap on a pillow in the front of a boat. And in the middle of the night, they're crossing this lake, and the wind and the waves start to come, and the boat starts to rock. And Jesus' disciples, many of them trained fishermen, know that this boat is finna sink, is what they're thinking themselves. Right? <laughs> Like, oh, crap, what do we do? And they wake up Jesus, and Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? We're going to drown? And Jesus sort of stands up, kind of rebukes their little faith, and says something like this, to the wind and to the waves, speaks to it, and they stop. And the disciples marvel amongst themselves. And who is this, hear me, that even the wind and the waves obey? Everything obeys God, except for us. Why? Why? Every wedding that I get to officiate, I use this phrase, (laughs) true love demands a choice. God would never know we love him unless we can choose to be obedient to him or not. If we were just made as automatons just to do his bidding whenever he wanted, then it wouldn't really be love then, would it? No bride and groom would want to know that the only reason their spouse is marrying them is because they had to. I'm looking at you, Blake. (laughs) True love demands the choice. We have to choose to be obedient or not. But here's the dance that humanity has. We're obedient and we're disobedient. We're obedient and we're disobedient. And we try and we try and we strive and we work and we discipline and we try to be obedient. And we have good days and then we have bad days. But in the end, ultimately, we cannot be fully obedient to the things of God. And this is why Jesus is so important to us. This is why when you come to Renaissance, we say it's all about Jesus. This is why when we open the Bible every week, Jesus somehow makes his way into our presentation because Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus is the one who was born unlike you and I. He did not have a sinful nature. He was not born into sin like you and I were born into. He was born unique and different and was sinless in his living and was obedient to everything that God told him to do. Jesus was obedient to he was fully obedient the Bible tells us here in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 on being found in human form Jesus said he said he humbled himself by here it is becoming obedient even to the point of death and even death on a cross That God had a, a purpose and a plan for his only son, Jesus, and that Jesus would be a substitute. Um, he would be on a redemptive plan, a salvation plan to save us. The Bible's quick to tell us that there is a punishment for sin. The wage of sin, the Bible would say, is what? Death. And that because you and I are sinful people, that we are due death. But in this great exchange that God uses his son, and puts him on a cross, and he bears the punishment of sin, death upon his own body, we escape death because of that. We escape eternal death because of what Jesus has done. He was killed on a cross, he was buried in a grave, and on the third day he rose from the dead. And he was obedient obedient in everything that God asked him to do, even into death. And by faith, and here's that word again, by faith in believing that story, that Jesus substituted himself for us, that we might be made new through that exchange. And this is what Paul says here in Romans chapter 5 verse 19. He says for as one man's disobedience this is Adam through one man's disobedience back in Genesis chapter 3 everyone was made a sinner. But through the other man's obedience this is the last Adam or Jesus, if you will, through that person's obedience, the many will become righteous. In my mind, there's a much louder applause at this moment. <laughs> or not. I have no idea where you guys are in this. But something miraculous happens. It's supernatural. It's beyond Almost explanation for us. But in that faith, in believing that story, Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit gives us a new heart, so to speak. It's a new motivation center for living, it's a new way to act in obedience to the things of God. The prophet Ezekiel, centuries before Jesus was born in a major, Proclaimed these words from God Himself in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put it within you. I'm going to remove from you this heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Pause right here. He's going to take the stony, disobedient, unmoving, sinful heart of away from us, give us a fleshy heart that now beats with the heartbeat of God himself and it's work, it's a surgery, it's a supernatural thing that God himself does. And inside of us, we have this new heart. Next verse, 27, it says this, and as I put my new spirit within you, I will cause you, watch this, to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to obey my rules. We couldn't obey him before because we had a sinful nature. We couldn't fully be obedient to everything that God had for us. Hear me when I say this. In Christ Jesus, you and I can be and are going to be fully obedient to the things of God as he leads us into this thing called abundant life, we now have the motivation center, the heart drive, the spirit power to do the very thing that God wants us to do. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention faith is important in this obedience? That we have to have faith to believe that Jesus has transformed us that Jesus has done something for us that we could never do for ourselves. A reversal of sorts has taken place. Genesis chapter three, a disobedient one, sin enters into the world, but now through faith in what Jesus has done by being dead on a cross and raised from the dead, the empowerment from the Holy Spirit, God has made us new. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen: a very, very popular verse. Therefore, if anyone... Say anyone, anyone, even you, even me. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is what? A new creation. Oh my gosh. This blew my freaking mind this week. This is creation language. God has recreated, much like he gathered the dust in Genesis 1 and 2 into a form and breathed his spirit into mankind to let them live and be fruitful and multiply. He has recreated us in some supernatural way through Christ Jesus. He has made us new. You and I don't have sinful natures in Christ Jesus. We don't wrestle with the things that they wrestled with. We have the spirit of God inside of us. The the old has passed away. Amen. Behold, the new has come. Happy New Year to you. So now we have no more trying and striving. Now we trust and believe. Before it was try, 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 strive, 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 try to be obedient to the commands of God so that we could be good and righteous. No, not any longer. Now we trust Jesus Christ and what he's done. God has made us righteous in Christ Jesus. We trust our lives to be obedient to God. We are free to now live the, God's abundant life um, through us. This is groundbreaking stuff. It's nothing new, just so you know, <laughs> but it's so helpful to us. And I know many of you have questions, good questions. And probably the question that comes to the top of your mind is related to that verse in Exodus 23. Go back to Exodus 23, verse 5. This is the verse that says, if you see the donkey of one who hates you on the side of the road, lying down under its burden, God commands us that we're supposed to go help that person with it. You're supposed to rescue. This is the question you're probably having. So what about the donkey, Jeff? Like, well, yes, a new creation, transformation, whatever. What about the donkey, man? I need to know. Like, okay, like metaphorically, this is a guy who you don't like. You see him overload his truck at Menards, and on his way home, he gets a flat tire, and you go, heh <laughs> <laughs> As you're driving home, and you pass him on the side of the road, and like, is that his, his donkey's laying down under the burden, and I'm commanded to help that fool? And the question is, do I still have to? That's the question you want to know, yes? No. <laughs> I'm only uh, Not if you're doing it to earn righteousness. Yeah, not if you're not if you're doing it to check off the thing that I was obedient to the things of God. Not not if, because your heart's not if your heart's not in it. No. But if, but if you have a new heart and a new motivation center and God has taken all the commands, if you will, all summarized. You guys remember the story when Jesus was asked by this young um, lawyer about all the commands of God and he says, Jesus, rabbi, uh, smart person, um, of all the commands of God, which one's the most important? Uh, and Jesus says, he responds to him here in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So all the commands, all the 613 from the Old Testament that was used to keep people separate, to restore everything, God has taken all of those, placed them inside of us now, and summarized them into loving God and loving other people. Now when you drive by the guy whose donkey is laid down, and God is commanding us to love himself and to love others, now we're motivated to help. And our obedience is in that. It's not check marks now. It's not, I didn't eat the right foods, I didn't, I didn't wear the right clothes, I didn't rest on the right days, it's none of that stuff. Christ Jesus was obedient in everything that God commanded, and our obedience is found in him. Say amen. Amen. It's found in him, man. Oh my God, it's found in him. It's in him. And our faith in that, it changes us in a way. And all of a sudden, we begin to live a life that looks different. Yes, God still wants his people to be unique from the rest of the world. How many people here agree that we should look different than the world around us? You know how I wish we looked different? I wish we loved better than them. All too often, soapbox alert, soapbox alert. Here we go. All too often, the church is only known for the things that it's against. And we're never known for being like, well, we're not never known, but I would want us, my desire, Lord, is that we would be known for, the, for loving people, for loving each other well, for loving God well. He wants us to be unique. Yes, I think God is still trying to restore his kingdom back to the way it used to be back in the garden And I think he's doing so through the church. I think he's doing that through our lives. When you and I love him and love others well and and don't seek vengeance when people harm us, when we turn the other cheek, so to speak, all of these things encompassed into loving other people, God is reestablishing his perfect kingdom in the earth. God desires us to be obedient and he wants us to be different. I want to close with this last little story. Um, man, I'm, I'm telling you for real. Like I'm on a journey right now with God, and I'm so thankful. You ever get your life in such a kerfuckle? Is that a word? Be careful. Be careful. I felt like that was way too close to another word. <laughs> and I, I mean, I mean, I didn't mean to make it. I didn't want it to be a bad thing. <laughs> what? I have no idea. I made up my own word. Is that a word? I have no idea. Anyway, you ever get your life so screwed up? (laughs) Um, You 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 get stuck. I don't. You get stuck, and I'm I'm stuck. I'm like in a thing. I'm stuck, and and um, the Lord just has been talking to me about some stuff, and He reminded me when I became a Christian some 25 years ago. I had a radical transformation. And by that, I mean like that when God got a hold of me or I got a hold of him, I don't know what your theology teaches here, but, but when, when that exchange took place, my life radically changed, like radically changed, okay? Um, and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And I was devoted to the church. I was devoted to Bible study and prayer. I used to fast all the time. It's a weird thing, but I was just, I was just all these things I was doing, and so my life's in this kind of weird spot right now. I won't bore you with the details. And I'm, I'm, God has reminded me of all of that. Jeff, when you were young, you read um, the Bible a lot. Like there was nothing else you wanted to hold on to but me. But now, Jeff, you've developed these sort of strategies to deal with your anxiety or strategies to deal with stress and strategies to deal with interpersonal conflict and all this stuff. And, and instead of leaning upon me, you're leaning on other things. Okay, this is my life. And so God is calling me back to some of these things. But I was reminded of this story when I was a young Christian. um, My wife and I were serving at the local church that we were part of. Um, We went to church every week. We were involved in the small groups. And on Wednesday night, this church had this dinner that they would have on Wednesday nights. And the people, the the church would gather together to have a meal. And I think they call it fellowship, right? It's the F word that's approved in church. And... uh, (laughs) we would gather for fellowship and then we'd go into like small groups and Bible studies, right? We did all that and I was involved but right about this same time a new television, television series started on ABC. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called Lost. This is how old I am just so you know. You don't need to know the story of how incredible the first two seasons of the show was but it was so good I stopped going to church on Wednesday nights. Whatever, right? Whatever. But the Lord talked to me Like, he spoke to me, and he says, Jeff, I don't want you watching Lost anymore. I want you to go to church, because your spirit, man, is is built up in this place, and it's not over here. Now, I want you to know, I have read every verse in this book, and there's not one verse in there that says that you shall not watch ABC on Wednesday night at 7 or 8 o'clock. There's there's not a verse in there, okay? Okay? So my obedience was walking into the things that God had for me, right? That he imprinted upon my heart and my desire to love him and to love others well. It required me to separate myself from some of those things. And so in my obedience to God, right? Not to the law. This is what I love about what God's done. The, the law, it's still like beneficial to us for sure, but it's no longer a taskmaster in our life. It's no longer do or die because Jesus has done and died for us. That there's lots of good things that God God would have for us found in the law. The Ten Commandments are still good. Please, stop murdering. Stop serving other gods. All those things are still good for us. We're just, you see what I'm saying? But those things are now inside of us. So God speaks to us individually and asks us to be obedient to him. And the things he's asking you to be obedient to might not look like the things he's asking you to be obedient to. It's as diverse as the people in this room. The Spirit knows you, loves you, and is leading you into obedience. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you have been made new. The sinful desires of your heart are no longer an issue because they've been removed. Now God's asking you to step into something. Hear me when I say this. Right now, God is talking to you about some things in your life. Right now, he's talking to you. And if you feel any condemnation, any guilt or shame associated with that, just say, just throw that away. Because guilt and shame was placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross. If you're sensing God is saying, I don't want this for you anymore. That's not guilt for you. That's correction for you. God loves you. And you're leaning on something that's not Good for you. And he wants you to change. And he speaks to us. Is obedience to God still important? 100%. 110%. I'm convinced you will never get into the abundant life that God has for you without obedience. Walk in the things that he has for you. We are free from the oppressive yoke of trying harder, (laughs) of feeling shame and guilt. That's what religion teaches. That's what reading the Bible as a rule book gives you, shame and guilt. Jesus is the hero of scripture. Jesus is the hero of our lives. We just have to give our faith to Jesus and give him room in our lives to rule and to lead, bring us into righteousness and obedience and the abundant life that he has for us. So I want to pray for us. I think, I think what I'll do, um, I think what I'll do here's what I'll, I think I'm gonna pray I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna pray like in advance so you look, look at me it's all good all right so I, I think I'm finna pray this um, and the reason I'm telling you now because I want to I want to say it and then I want to pray it and um, some of you might want to agree with some of the things that I said but it's like I feel like if I don't tell you in advance you're like I don't know so I think some of us in the room have have no faith in Jesus Christ have no faith that everything they know about Christianity has been rules. It's what grandma told me. You go to church because you're supposed to. You go to, you, you obey God because you're supposed to, all this stuff, and you don't have no idea of, hello, everybody just went dark. Can we take the lights back one? Thank you, sir. Um, and just hold it here for a second. Um, that you have no faith. You, have, you don't understand that concept. That you actually haven't received Christ as your Savior. That you are still working up your salvation. And Okay, so I want to pray for that. That some people might lay that down and let Jesus be the Savior for them. Okay, so I'm gonna pray for that. And then I think there's another group of people who have Jesus as savior, but it somehow got screwed up in your mind that somehow it's Jesus, like plus a bunch of this other stuff too. Like you still have to do all this other thing and you've got a religious-y sort of syncretism happening together. And it's, it's harmful to you. It's, um, it's causing many of you to live in this place of anxiety and worry. Like, am I really a Christian? Because I'm just, like, like you just can't seem to do good enough. And I want to pray for that, that, that God would, would remove that, or we'd repent from that and move closer into Jesus. So does that sound okay to you guys? All right, so we'll bow our heads now. I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or nothing, but if if like one of these things resonates with you, just say in your heart, that's me, Lord, that's me, okay? So God, right now, I, I pray for, for those of us in the room who do not know what saving faith in Jesus looks like, that we have tried it our own way for so long. We don't know what it's like to let... God give the substitute for our our, our sin and and to take the punishment of death upon himself. God, I'm that person who is tired of trying everything on my own, that I surrender my life to you, Jesus, that I want the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want the new heart that has um, God's commands written on them. I want my mind to be renewed, to be impressed upon my mind, the ways of God. If that's you in the room, you could just say, yes, Lord, that's me. I don't, I'm tired of living this way. <laughs> I accept Jesus as, as my savior, as my redeemer, so to speak, rescuing me out of that endless cycle of trying and trying and trying. And, and uh, others of us in the room are, are mixed. We, we have faith in Jesus Christ, but we've just added some things to it, Lord. We think that we have to do all this other stuff, and it's causing shame and guilt, and it's, it's, it's causing anxiety. Lord, we repent from that. We know Jesus has already made us righteous, but we just, for our own reasons, we've added stuff to it. It doesn't need to be in it. And so God, we ask that, that you would um, uh, help us repent and to return to all the goodness that you have for us. We know, Lord, you want us to be obedient. And we know that through Christ Jesus, we can be. (laughs) That our lives have been transformed. Many times now, Lord, it's just more getting out of the way, so to speak, and just giving you the space. God, God, speak to me about the thing in my life that you want me to push aside so that you can have more of me. God, speak to me about the thing in my life that takes my devotion away. God, speak to me about the thing in my life that is a distraction to me. Holy Spirit, just speak to your people. And then Holy Spirit, give give your people the power to change. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.